0: I don't even need to preach now. (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway, but I don't have to. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and on all of us gathered here. Lord, take my words and make them yours. Take all of our thoughts and make them yours. And take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Father, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so this this scripture passage today gives us the story of of uh, two old people who hang around the church all day waiting for something to happen. Yeah, sound familiar? Right? I mean, this. so they're they're specifically waiting for the the Messiah to come, and that in and of itself is a pretty big commitment because uh, the the people of Israel have been waiting for the Messiah by this point for. Uh, at least four or five hundred years. Uh, some of them might have been waiting a bit longer than that, depending on uh, how you want to read some of the other passages in the Old Testament. But you've got centuries of waiting for the Messiah to come and, and redeem the people of Israel. At the very least, they've been waiting since the Roman occupation began. Uh, and so, Simeon and Anna have to at least suspect that, that, that at some point they're going to die before the Messiah comes, right? Right up until this point where, where the Holy Spirit clues Simeon into this fact that actually it's okay, God, God says you're going to live until the Messiah comes. Um, which you probably didn't tell anybody because how crazy would you sound if you went around saying, hey, the Lord picked me to see the Messiah before all you people and, and then I'm going to die. Right? Drop dead after it. Um, there's no indication really that Simeon and Anna are anything other than two very regular people who just happen to be extremely faithful. Right? There's nothing that says that Simeon's one of the priests. Um, I mean, there are priests named Simeon, but there's nothing that says that this is the same guy. Uh, there's, there's nothing that says that they're like especially well-trained in, in, in religious practice or any of that, or that they're really well-educated or anything. They're just people who are very faithful and, and are hanging around the temple all the time because they are especially devout and faithful. And they've read the scriptures, which for them is just the Old Testament. Right, That's all they've got. And so they know what the scriptures say about the people of Israel. The, this grand story that begins with God calling Abraham and singling him out to be the father of his chosen people. The people who God is going to use to save the world. Right? That's, that's where it begins. That The people of Israel are, are called out and set apart as the people who are going to be like a shining city on the hill. The people who everyone in the world can look to to see the goodness of God if they'll just do what God tells them. And of course, that's the problem. They're really, really bad at doing what God tells them. I mean, gosh, at least half the Old Testament is stories of how they didn't do what God told them to do and chaos ensued, right? How long did it take them before they melted down all their gold and made a calf to worship? Like four days not long at all. So there's this sense of waiting for the Messiah, but there's also this sense that they, the God's people who have been set apart for this great and noble purpose, have failed. And not not just that they failed, but that maybe they're not even really able to do anything else. They have failed so long in that calling. They've they've. They've failed to live up to it for so many centuries that it's just kind of like, are, are we really sure we're even able to live up to this standard that God has set for us? So there's this sense of waiting, but there's also this, this sense of, of grief as they look at the world around them and they see where they are and where they were supposed to be and they can see the gap. And there's this, this sense of grief. And, and, and It says they're waiting for the consolation of Israel for God to come and comfort them and tell them it's okay that he's got this so they're waiting and they're grieving and God doesn't just remember them he makes it a point to go directly to them and show them the thing they've been waiting for Simeon, as he's waiting for the Messiah to come, he would have had a very specific idea in mind of who the Messiah would have been and, and what he would have been like and what he was going to do. Right? In his mind, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to be this great mighty warrior, maybe a king, who's going to come and he's going to, he's going to rally the people of Israel in a glorious rebellion and overthrow the oppressive Roman Empire and reestablish the literal kingdom of Israel here on earth and it will never again be conquered and it will be great. It will be just like old times when David was king. I mean, that's, that is what the people living in Israel in the first century thought the Messiah would do. That's how they universally almost interpreted the prophecies of the Old Testament, that all this kingdom of God business was literally the kingdom of Israel, that, that the actual physical kingdom would be reestablished and they would overthrow their oppressors and they would never again live under foreign rule and it would all be great. And you see echoes of that, by the way, in some of the disciples, right? There's a reason Peter carries a sword around with him all the time. That's why he has the sword in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest Jesus, right? Peter's thinking that moment, all right, it's starting. Let's go chop off an ear. It didn't work. And, and when Simeon finally sees this Messiah face to face, this newborn child, we're told he's moved by the Spirit. right? So the, the Spirit is showing him something. And it's in this moment as he looks on this little child that it all clicks for him. And he realizes what God is actually up to. That the Messiah has come not not just to save the people living here in Israel, but actually it's so much more than that. He's, He's coming to the whole world. This salvation is being extended beyond what they ever thought possible. And then there's Anna. The the widow who lives her whole life in the temple, literally in worship, day in and day out. You know, we're not told exactly what God reveals to Anna when she sees the baby. It's no mention of it anywhere. We're also not told what happens when she goes and talks to other people about the baby. We don't know what she tells them. It's almost as if it's so deeply personal for her that the authors didn't want to include it in the text. But clearly something happened. She meets her God face to face. I would suspect that most of us would like to do that too. Most of us would like to meet God face to face. Most of us would like God to come here now and fix all of our problems. I don't actually know anybody who looks at the world today and says, yeah, this is fine. This is okay. (laughs) It's all good. Nobody, everyone's dissatisfied, whether you're conservative or not, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. Everyone's unhappy, right? It's like the one thing that unifies us is we're all equally unhappy with the world today. I think everyone would love it if Jesus would just come down and put things to rights and, and fix all the problems and set us on the right path and, and make it all clear to everyone, solve all the disagreements and the arguments and just let us go. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Why doesn't he do it? We would love, we would love for Jesus to just show up and fix everything. And most of us probably have a pretty clear expectation in our minds of, of what that would look like. Just like Simeon had a pretty clear idea of what it would look like when the Messiah came. And so we're waiting. And and many of us may feel as though we're not just waiting for Jesus to come, but we've always been waiting for him to come, and he hasn't come, and where is he? And why, you know, the the last words of Matthew's gospel, right, are, I will be with you always, and it's kind of like, okay, where'd you go? But he, he, he promises, right, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. So, so if we can't see him, if we don't see where he, where he is in our lives, and what exactly is going on? And there's also this, this weird tension because he says, I, I am with you, and also I'm coming back. And how can you come back if you don't leave us in the first place? And what's this weird tension going on? So there's this, this promise that he's always with us, and he's coming back a second time. And we have to kind of make sense of this. And, and the tricky thing is, it just so often feels as though he's not there at all. but what if he is and we we just miss it? You know, the, the temple was the center of public life for ancient Israel. Not just for Jerusalem, but for the whole nation, for the entire Jewish people. The temple is the center of everything. Politics, religion, economics, it all goes down in the temple. It's like it's like if you took St. Peter's Basilica and the Vatican and the White House and Westminster Palace and rolled them all up into one thing and opened them up to the public all hours of the day. That's the temple. Everyone's there. It is the one place you can go in Israel to make a sacrifice. So if you've got to make one of the sacrifices you have to make according to the law, you go to Jerusalem. You want to have your kids circumcised? You go to Jerusalem. You want to be purified? You go to Jerusalem. Right? Everyone goes to the temple a couple of times in their life, at least probably several times a year they're going there. That building is always full of people. It's never empty. So, so when, when Simeon sees this baby and cries out, hey, this is the Messiah, people would have heard. There's no question because it would have been full of people. Likewise, when, when Anna is going around and talking to people, everyone's going to hear what she's saying because even if she's not talking to you directly, you're like four or five feet away, you're going to hear it. This is a very public moment. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are hearing on that day what Simeon and Anna are saying about this newborn child. So it's, it's really weird that there's no point during Jesus' later life when someone says, hey, aren't you the kid that they were talking about 30 years ago back in the temple? There was this crazy old lady who kept talking about the baby I had to go see. Her. Wasn't that you? No one ever says that. Even just 12 years later, when, when his parents pull the ultimate parenting move and forget him in the temple. Right? Imagine if you forgot the Son of God in the temple. And, and, and they go back and they find him and he's teaching the people and they're all amazed at how, how brilliant he is and how he's explaining the scriptures in such a wonderful way. And wow, what a great teacher. No one at that point stops to think, you know, there was a baby here a few years ago who someone said was the Messiah. Maybe this is the kid. No one mentions it. And even if no one believed him, you would think at some point, if he introduces himself and says, Hi, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Joseph and Mary are my parents. Someone at some point would say, You know, I heard of that kid once. Weren't you the one of those crazy old people in the temple we're talking about that one time? No. Never. In other words... This happens, these these two people see the baby, realize he's the Messiah, tell everyone who will listen, shout it loudly as they can in the temple, the center of all life in the Jewish world, and everyone forgets. Everyone forgets this happened. No one recognizes him as an adult. There's no point when someone says, you know, I heard about you once 30 years ago, someone said this would happen. No, it's all gone, faded from their memory. And then, boy, it happened fast. Because you would think normally, right, if this is happening, that, that someone will come up to them the next day and say, hey, your baby seems to be special. Well, would, you, would you hang around the temple a bit longer so we can talk to the priests and see what's going on? No, there's none of that. They just leave. It's all over. How quickly we forget the things that God does in our lives. How quickly we forget. So what if it's not that Jesus isn't with us all the time? What if it's just we fail to recognize him? What if it's just that we forget all the times we've seen him at work in our lives before? What if in fact he's at work constantly in all kinds of little ways and it's just easier for us to rationalize those away? Right, how many times have you been driving, in it's corpus, so this applies to all of you, right? You've been driving on the highway, and someone over here decides all of a sudden, 100 feet from the exit, that they've got to cross four lanes of traffic and exit the highway, right? And they miss your car by that much, right? How lucky you were, right? What if it wasn't luck? What if it wasn't just luck? Or have you ever had this experience where, where you're driving to work, and all of a sudden you see a huge wreck, and if you had been... Five minutes earlier, leaving your house, you would have been right in the middle of it, and the only reason you didn't leave five minutes earlier is that as you were walking out the door, you tripped over an untied shoelace, or your kid was screaming and you had to deal with that, or you had to pack somebody's lunch and you were running late, and, and you missed being in that car crash. How lucky you were. But what if it wasn't luck? How many stories are there of, of people who worked in the Twin Towers and who survived 9-11 because of some strange coincidence that kept them from going into work that day. But what if it wasn't a coincidence? And see, it's easier for us to rationalize those away as just pure luck than to actually try and figure out, well, why, why would God work that way in their lives and not in everyone else's life? But what if that's exactly what's going on? We don't always understand the things that God is up to. It's so easy to forget, to forget or to ignore the work of God in our lives, to look past it, to try and explain it away. But you know, this is the time of year when when we, uh, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, we, we try and sympathize or even empathize with the people of Israel as they waited for the coming of the Messiah. And if we're going to empathize with their waiting, we might also want to bear in mind that the vast majority of them missed it when it happened. It just passed them by completely. Because it did not look the way they thought it would look. And so they just said, that's not the Messiah, and moved on. And i got to wonder, how many, how many people who were in the temple that day when Simeon and Anna were going around telling everyone who would listen that this baby over here is the Messiah, how many of those people do you suppose might have been in the crowd 30 years later shouting, crucify him? Because it wouldn't be all that surprising if there's some overlap there. They just missed it. What if Jesus is at work in our lives all the time and we miss it because it's not what we think it's going to be because we're waiting for the wrong thing or because we just don't expect God to work in the way he does? He promises to be with us always to the end of the age. Which means he's with us each and every day. If we aren't seeing it, the problem must be on our end. Maybe we're looking for the wrong thing. Maybe we've just forgotten the last thing he did. And the more we forget those things that he's already done for us, the easier it becomes then the next time he does something in our lives to just overlook it or ignore it or explain it away. You get into that habit. What if though, what if he actually is there with you each and every day? What if he is actually working in your life each and every day? What if all those little coincidences that make your day better are actually God doing something? as we get ready to celebrate Christmas this, the end of this week. I want to encourage you these next few days, just pray this simple prayer. God, help me recognize your presence with me as we wait. Just that, help me recognize your presence. Because I think for some of us, it might actually take God stepping in and doing something big for us to realize he's with us the whole time. As we wait and get ready to celebrate the birth of Christ, wouldn't it be great if each day between now and then we actually begin to see him more and more present with us each and every day? Lord, help me recognize your presence with me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.